Good morning. Good to see all you here. One of my favorite true stories about Christmas traditions comes from a man named Larry Kunkel and his brother-in-law, Roy Collette. It was reported some time ago in the New York Times and has since been verified by Snopes. In 1964, Larry's mother gave him a pair of moleskin pants. Since the pants froze in the Minnesotan winter, Larry re-gifted them to his brother-in-law. Roy returned the gift to Larry at a later Christmas by wrapping the pants into a one-inch pipe. These two passed the pants back and forth every year for the next 25 Christmases. You can imagine where this is going to go. The packaging became more and more difficult to open. Roy sent the pants to Larry in a 600-pound safe that he had welded shut. The next year, Larry responded by sending the pants in a three-foot cube that had at one time been a 1974 AMC Gremlin. A note was attached to the scrunched-up car that said, the pants are in the glove box. Roy later sent the pants back in an eight-foot tire filled with 6,000 pounds of concrete with a note that said, have a good year. (laughs) The tradition ended, though, when Roy tried to have the pants encased in 10,000 pounds of jagged glass. But during the process, some of the molten glass burned the pants to ashes. But that's quite a tradition that was started with a pair of unwanted pants. Now there are other traditions and things that we do at Christmas that I don't really know why we do them. I have lights on my house. I know because this week I climbed around up there and put them up there. But I'm not really sure why. I hope it's because Jesus is the light of the world, but I'm afraid that research points to the possibility that it might have some connection with the Norse god Odin, his fondness for beer, and a Yule log. Now, I love our Christmas tree, but do you know why we have a Christmas tree or how the tradition started? Some people would say that it comes from old Roman mythology. Others say 16th century Germans or even Martin Luther started the whole thing. My dad, who just turned 88 on Friday, can remember when they had candles and they lit actual candles on the tree. I'm gonna put my old firefighter hat on here and say, no, don't do that. Much of the world takes a moment to pause for this holiday, even though many people don't really know why. When we look at the first proclamation of Christmas that came from heaven to earth, it came through the voices of angels speaking to the shepherds. And we're reminded then of the why behind all the things we are doing this this season. It says in Luke, a great company of the heavenly host appeared 
praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. One angel explained this good news of great joy for all people, that the Messiah had been born in Bethlehem. It's important to understand that the peace that the angels proclaimed was not a proclamation of world peace or a declaration of the end of strife and war. It was not a direct announcement that we can now get along with everybody by some magical process. It's actually a much bigger and much more important thing than any of that. Through Jesus, the barrier of sin has been removed. Now we have a relationship and peace with God. The peace on earth that Jesus brings is foremost the peace that we can have with God through Christ. This peace comes from faith in Christ and the forgiveness that follows. We see an example of this in Luke chapter seven with the woman who had lived a sinful life. She was so aware of her sin that she washed Jesus' feet with her hair. In verse 48, Jesus tells us, your sins are forgiven. And then in verse 50, he concludes for the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Because of the forgiveness of sins, we have peace with God. No wonder the angels proclaim glory to God in the highest. The angels declared that this peace belongs to those on whom God's favor rests. In its exploration of this passage, the Expositor's Bible Commentary says, those on whom God's favor rests are the little children to whom God graciously reveals truth according to his good pleasure. It offers an example of this in Luke 10, verse 21. This is when the 72 followers of Jesus who he sent out to minister return with stories of amazing power and ministry. Jesus prays, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. The Lord's favor rests on those who receive the truth and forgiveness of Jesus, and as a result, they pass the truth along to others. Because Jesus brought us peace with God, one of the greatest responses that we can have to the amazing news is to become peace proclaimers in all of our uh, Christmas traditions, preparations, and celebrations. Now the truth is, most families experience relational pressures and difficulties during this season. Nearly every family has at least one relative who requires extra grace. And if you don't know who that relative is, it's probably you. For many families, Advent and Christmas actually bring more strife and conflict rather than less. 
as the ones who have received peace with God through Jesus, we have a special opportunity to proclaim peace in our families in a similar way to how the angels proclaimed peace to us. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This passage shows us that those who count themselves to be children of God join him in the work of proclaiming his peace and making peace with others. Now I want you to understand that peacemaking is not the same thing as peacekeeping. When Jesus brought us peace with God, he didn't create an uneasy truce. He brought us back into unity and harmony with God. Jesus didn't just tolerate us, he restored us. He didn't make a way to endure being with us, he made a way to be near us and to develop a love relationship with us. Toward the beginning of this year, 2019, the United Nations had 16 peacekeeping operations throughout the world. And this is how the United Nations explains what they do in these peacekeeping operations. Our peacekeepers help prevent conflict to reduce human suffering, build stable and prosperous societies, and enable people to reach their full potential. Now we all hope that they're moving towards peacemaking, but peacekeeping seems to be just preventing people from acting out on the hate that's already in their hearts. It tries to prevent conflict and keeps people from destroying one another. But peacemaking goes much deeper. Peacemaking is what God did for us through sending Jesus. Peacemaking restores relationships, it brings harmony, it goes beyond just avoiding and separating conflict and brings restoration, relationship, and unity. Jesus made lasting and restorative peace between us and God. Aren't you glad that the angels didn't proclaim and on earth tolerance to those he's decided to endure? Aren't you glad the angels didn't say, and on earth God puts up with those on whom his favor rests? No, instead, he brought true peace with God. For many of us, the Christmas season is a reminder of the lack of peace that we have in our families and in our lives. Many of us have conflicts with our parents or with children, with brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles. It comes to the point where we just want to survive the holidays without the same old fights and antics that we experience every year. Many of us are struggling just to keep it together and try to cling to whatever peace we can hold in our hearts until it's all over. But there's more for you than that this Christmas season. As a son or a daughter of God, brought to God through Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection, you don't have to be just a peacekeeper who has to try and survive the holidays. Instead, you can proclaim the good news of Jesus by being a peacemaker 
who lives, brings, and proclaims a peace that transforms and lasts. For example, if you decide that the only way Christmas can be a success is by getting everyone what they want, even though you can't afford it, you are not proclaiming peace in your life and the lives of others. You are instead guaranteeing stress, guilt, and dissatisfaction in your heart. You're fostering entitlement in the lives of your loved ones. That's a gift that just keeps on taking because the more entitled someone feels, the more they demand. You'll get to reap the payments and the interest on those gifts for months to come. You'll get to live the stress of Christmas all year long from the choices that you make right now. Contrast that with perhaps sitting down with your family and helping them understand what you really want Christmas to look like and giving them realistic expectations. If your children or family can only be happy if they get everything they want, maybe you will be doing them a favor by disappointing them. Maybe you'll be proclaiming a peace in their hearts that will last for the rest of their lives. My life is not completely concerned with, consumed with, or centered on me. Now while it's one small example, it does demonstrate the difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Peacekeeping tries to appease, to patch together, to keep everyone satisfied or just quietly disgruntled. Peacemaking deals with the underlying issues and brings healing and restoration. That's what God's son did for us. What better way to proclaim and demonstrate what he's done than to do the same in our families. Now, one of the dangers of this season is getting so caught up in our traditions and so wrapped up in trying to create that idyllic Christmas that we forget our real mission. James 3, verses 17 and 18 reminds us of this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This season we should be more concerned, not less concerned, with proclaiming the peace of Jesus. We should be centered on living out the gospel with our friends and family. We all will make connections and have conversations with people that only come around during this season. Now is the time to pray for wisdom in those connections. Now is the time to consider how we can proclaim Christ through what we say and how we act. Now is the time to be wise, as James describes it, to be pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So this season I am praying that God will give me the wisdom of heaven as I interact with friends and family. I'm praying that God will show me how to best proclaim the good news of Jesus by showing me when I should speak and when I should just let things go. I've learned that just because you're right doesn't mean that you're being righteous. Some family fem members and friends know how to bait us into product unproductive arguments, maybe even sabotage the holidays through their propensity for drama 
It's kind of like a shiny lure that we just can't help but strike at. We want to argue. We want to correct. But it seems like every time you take that bait, rather than changing your mind or the minds of the people you're trying to change, it just drags you along to places you don't really want to go and into conversations you don't really want to have. Now, sometimes we do need to say the hard things. Sometimes the loving thing is to stand for what is true. But other times the righteous thing is to lay down your need to be right. The loving thing is to avoid taking that bait and getting distracted from the real mission of proclaiming Jesus and sharing the love of God with everyone and anyone who is ready and willing to receive it. That's why a peace proclaimer needs the wisdom of heaven. So I'm praying this year that you can proclaim his peace to your family and friends like you've never done before. Sometimes people want understanding and help. And sometimes they just want to hide behind an argument. So I pray that God will give us the wisdom and discernment to see the difference and not to take the bait. Part of being in a family or even long-term friends is that you bump up against one another. It reminds me of that great hazmat team joke, and I was on the hazmat team in Snohomish County for almost 17 years, so I told a lot of jokes. It's, a, it's about two molecules that are walking down the street. One accidentally bumped into the other and said, oh, I'm so sorry, are you okay? And the second molecule replied in anger, no, I'm not okay. I've lost an electron. The first molecule said, are you sure? The second molecule answered, I'm positive. Hey, that's good. You guys are all right there with me. If you typically have relational struggles during this season, remember that most people aren't born annoying or rude or opinionated. Uh, Despite how he acts, even your cousin Eddie was made in God's image. Remember that people become annoying, rude, opinionated, and even angry because of what the world throws at them. And it's how they choose to respond to it. The one thing we all share is brokenness. And the one thing we all need is grace. A peacemaker who is working to proclaim, to proclaim Jesus will try to get beyond the rough exterior. A peacemaker will show mercy, remembering just that more than our opinions, everyone ultimately needs Jesus. I have never yet argued somebody into the kingdom of heaven, but I hope that through loving some, some have entered into that kingdom. Certainly love is tough, but sometimes love is quiet and just listens. In the midst of all the traditions and celebrations and connections this season, don't forget how precious people are to God. Even the most belligerent, difficult, and draining people are precious to God. So much so that Jesus came to earth so that they could also have peace with God. Now before you proclaim peace, you first need to possess it. No one expects you to be perfect. 
However, it's difficult to proclaim the message of God's peace when you're stressed out, overwhelmed, and exhausted. Our proclamation must first begin with us accepting and embracing the peace that we have with God. What a rare individual it is who knows what it's like to be fully accepted for who they are just as they are. Yet this is our very condition simply because Jesus coming to earth and dying on the cross for us has now put us in a position where God's favor rests on us. Now despite all that talk of peace and grace in our circles, how few of us feel like we can just receive the love of God rather than needing to work for it or to prove that we are worthy of it. In the angel's proclamation, we find nothing of our own effort to obtain peace, only the grace of God. We didn't reach our Savior by going up to him. Rather, as it says in Luke 2, the angel says, a Savior has been born to you. We didn't earn his favor. His favor rests on us only because we accept it by putting our faith in the cross. In order to better proclaim the peace God brings to others this season, I encourage you to guard your own peace as well. In order to walk and remain in the peace that Jesus brings, we need to be disciplined in where we allow our minds to go and the things that we allow ourselves to think about. A pastor in California by the name of Rick Warren often says, think about what you think about. Scripture tells us to do no less in 2 Corinthians when we are charged to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When it comes to living in peace and proclaiming peace, it's possible to lose the battle in our minds before our interaction with others has even begun. Have you ever had a fight or a disagreement with a relative or a friend that took place only in your brain? Planning, strategizing, just that one pithy remark that will do the job. If you're trying to win your arguments before they even get started, how can you possibly hope to bring, pro, bring and proclaim peace when you spend actual time together? Granted, sometimes we need to prepare our hearts and our minds for interactions that are sure to be challenging. However, rather than preparing to defend ourselves or to fight, perhaps our thoughts should prayerfully center on how we could do it differently this time. To paraphrase and apply Hosea chapter 8, verse 7 to this issue, the paraphrase would be, sow the wind in your mind and you will reap the whirlwind in your relationships. Peace proclaimers use wisdom and patience instead of jumping to conclusions or quickly misinterpreting other people's actions or intents. Peace proclaimers refuse to take offense when they feel slighted. They refuse to allow their own thoughts to turn a careless or sensitive, insensitive comment into a personal attack. Peace proclaimers won't give themselves over to a rumor or pick up on an offense that is based on just one side of the story or on another person's retelling of that story. Peace proclaimers always hope, always believe, and always endure. 
when he was 63, a man by the name of Alvin Strait got into a disagreement with his brother, Henry. Separated by 240 miles, the two never spoke or met again for 10 years. Now, when Henry was 80 years old, he had a stroke. And Alvin heard that news and decided it was time to reunite with his brother before it became impossible to do so. At 73, Alvin's sight was so poor that he could not get a driver's license any longer. So, using Midwest problem-solving logic, Alvin loaded up a trailer with gas, camping gear, and food, and attached it to his riding lawnmower and set out to see Henry. At a top speed of five miles an hour, it took Alvin Strait six weeks to make the 240-mile journey from Iowa to Wisconsin in order to make peace with his brother. I'd have taken the bus. Anyway, one month later, Henry recovered from his stroke, and then he moved back to Iowa to be closer to his family. We all know that you can't make someone change. You can't make people do much of anything. But you can proclaim peace. How far are you willing to go to share the peace that you have in Jesus with the people you know? Are you willing to take that first step? Are you willing to stand this Christmas for peacemaking? Alvin Strait went 240 miles over six weeks to be a peacemaker, and his relationship was restored. Jesus crossed the chasm of heaven to make peace with you. The angels came to earth to proclaim the news of peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. In the midst of all our traditions, celebrations, and even our obligations, will we put in that same effort? Will our lives make that same proclamation? It's the chase, choice that we all face at this time of year. Would you please stand and pray with me as we close? Father, we thank you that you sent your son so that we can have peace with God. We ask that you increase our peace and pour out your peace to others through us. This season, let us be peacemakers who point others to the peace of Christ, just as the angels announced long ago in Bethlehem. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord Jesus be with you all, for it is in his name we pray. Amen. And the famous saying is, go in peace. <laughs>